0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the Black Health Podcast. We got the whole gang in the house today. Gang, gang. I'm
1: Paula, joined by... What's up, y'all? It's Mercy.
0: Hey, it's Khadija.
2: Hey, everybody, it's Matthew.
0: Cool, cool. So our topic um, icebreaker for today is things that you love or like very much and why. So it's a twist on what we did um, last episode where we said things that we hate. (laughs) So now let's be a little bit more positive, talk about things that we love, Um, maximum of three things. Um, So we'll start with Khadijah.
3: Yeah, so I have cats. (laughs) (laughs) I love cats. They're so cute and fluffy and cuddly and they take that with me and they're so, I just love cats so much. That's really it. That's all I could think of.
2: <laughs> you wanna tell the tell Did the you, word your, your cats' names?
3: Yes. I have two children. They're uh black black people children. Uh Pinot and
4: Noir. We love Pinot and, <laughs> and Noir. Cute <laughs> people.
0: I love them. They are so cute. Did you always love cats or that was something that happened after you got cats?
3: Um, no, I definitely didn't always love cats. That grew. But I thought I was a dog person, but cats are so, they're easier to take care of. And they're Yeah, chill. they're so low
1: maintenance. They're mm-hmm. very low
3: maintenance and chill.
1: Except at 3 a.m.
3: Yeah, they do
1: be terrorizing <laughs> me, actually, <laughs> in the middle of the night. <laughs>
0: what is it like, their like, little hunting instinct? Kicks yeah. Down? Yeah, like, they
3: like... Those predator um, hours? They sleep during the day and at night they go hunting. Mm. they think they're going hunting so that's how they behave yeah (laughs) Uh,
1: that makes a lot of sense
3: yeah
2: has anything happened with your cats and you're like oh you all are too smart
3: um they can open doors what yeah they can they also know how to uh um, they just be playing games. They're childish. <laughs> <laughs> they be knocking shit over to get my attention. Like they know what will get my attention, and they'll use mm-hmm. it to mm-hmm. get my attention.
1: So Lord <laughs> did knock my lighter off
4: the table. Yeah, he sounds he'll, a little
2: manipulative.
1: It is. It is.
2: But it's you fine. love it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's nice 'cause it's like they can keep you company, but it's not a whole lot of right. you don't have to like take them outside all the time.
3: Exactly. They're they're poorly they're purely indoor cats, so they don't mm. they can look outside. <laughs> they do they like seeing outside, but they are they are stuck inside. But they love it. It's it's lots of space for, <laughs> for their activities. <laughs> yeah.
2: My neighbor has yeah. a cat and he um Unless the cat outside on a little leash. <laughs> and he yeah. like walks it. Oh wow. It's strange. Right.
1: That cat on a leash, that's a funny sight.
0: I feel like they won't even walk right. Like they're gonna be all like weird and hunched over and trying to fight the leash. Right.
1: Yeah, it probably took a
2: while for the cat to get used to it, but it, it walks around the yard. Um it's like on a long extended leash, mm-hmm. rolls around in the grass and stuff. This
4: mm-hmm.
2: it's, it's kind of cute. <laughs>
0: Meanwhile, my dog is tearing my yard up. Uh-oh. Like, God damn it.
4: Oh, is he
2: a digger?
0: He digging out plants. Yeah. Oh, like, Martin. He got a little he got a little bed out there. Every time I go out there, the bed is in a new part of the yard. <laughs> and been fighting with it. He is so crazy.
1: Aww. Oh Martin.
0: And he come inside and just sleep on the couch like like he just had a long day being an asshole. <laughs> 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 oh, it's it's hard work. Yeah.
1: What do you love, Mercy? Currently, I love Renaissance. It has mm-hmm. a chokehold on me. I wake up every day. Unique! <laughs> every day. It, it never fails.
2: It's not a bad way to wake up.
1: It's not.
4: Mm-mm.
1: You know, that whole song, Alien Superstar, is nothing but affirmations. So, you know, these right motherfuckers stop ain't it. stopping me. Baby. These motherfuckers ain't stopping me. Ain't stopping <laughs> nothing, okay? <laughs> Unique, that's what you are. Category. Yeah. Bad bitch, on the boss. Okay, anyway, sorry. <laughs> I'm going to get going. So, when are we getting visuals? I don't know, but she's really stressing me out. I have this theory that she probably had visuals ready, and then like she started seeing feedback on the album, mm. and the
2: bitch decided
1: to re-record everything.
3: I can see her mm. doing that, mm. for sure. Mm-hmm. She
1: petty like that.
2: <laughs> I feel like that's so much time, though. Like, yeah, the process to re-record everything to start at the drawing board, like, we could be really months away.
1: I know. That's what makes me nervous. Because, I mean, that wouldn't be the first time she's done something like that. When she's completely mm. scrapped an idea and started over. That's what took Blackest King so long. Oh, wow, really? Because it was supposed to come out, like, right after Lion King. Oh. But then she decided to, like, redo everything. Oh, wow. I don't know if she, like... I know she shot new scenes and then, like, kind of, like, re-edited the whole movie. No, yeah. Documentary experience, whatever.
2: Are y'all still holding to your act two, act two, three? I mean, act three theories? Um, my my thought is act two is the visuals and act three is the tour. Um, no,
3: You're wrong.
2: <laughs> I think it's going to be two more albums.
3: I think so too. I'm actually almost so. positive it's two more albums.
1: Because even like on the you know visuals, <laughs> like it said part one. Exactly. Yes. Oh. Um, Mm-hmm. So it's, we're still in
0: F1. on
2: on what teaser visual
1: she dropped like a
0: teaser on that girl of on that girl oh, yeah. okay. which was so annoying like <laughs>
1: girl like, <what>? right
2: <laughs> could that no. just be part one of the video nah okay <laughs>
1: <laughs> i mean i'm telling you right like she had 2 years she has yeah. so yeah. much music it's probably so much music and then I, bet I mean, she's that's fair, but like she's also retire.
2: like raising her children. I know.
1: But I feel like she's going to drop these three and be like, all right, right. farewell tour. Go yeah, I just don't baby. feel like calling
0: it an act makes sense when you're like doing the same content, but just like, oh, the video and then the tour format.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: I think it's, it's the act is referring to the the moment, the, the vibe, and exactly. it's going to be a different
2: Album. Mm-hmm. Y'all are hopeful. Mm. I'm hopeful for you. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, you get all the Beyonce My music you can take.
1: <laughs>
4: My
0: girl
1: does not
2: disappoint. Never.
1: No, She's her only competition.
2: No, the album is amazing. Yeah, yeah it's really good.
3: What are y'all top three?
1: Mm. <sighs> okay, well, th- this week. It's been Virgo's groove, because of yes, course obviously. Yeah. <laughs> obviously. Um, cuff it and mm. move. That's a vibe. Yeah. I do, do. Mm-hmm. Move, 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 move. <laughs> I'll <Right. laughs> be saying that while I'm driving.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I'm <sure you> do. <laughs> Move the, out the way. I bet the tone is a little <laughs> different, though.
1: I try to keep it light. I told you I'm working on my road rage. I'm proud of you. <laughs> I don't want to die in these Atlanta streets for honking my horn.
0: I think I like move heated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's hard for the third one. I like alien superstar. I also like church girl. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Which is funny because I didn't grow up in the church, so I don't actually right. really resonate with that. But like I just <laughs> like
4: the song.
0: <laughs> you know, it's not it's like not my journey, I guess mm-hmm. is what I'm trying to say. But not your ministry.
1: What about you, Deesh?
3: Um, I think Alien Superstar, obviously. Heated. Obviously. Um, I think Break My Soul. Like mm. it's just a classic. It's so good. It is a good song. It, it was a perfect good. single, and it's just so
2: good. How about it was you, a great single. Um, I probably don't have three. I have lately just been going back to Energy. Ooh,
1: mm-hmm. Energy yeah, is really good.
2: It is um, good. It's short, but I like the. It, it has a really good vibe, and I think that's gonna really perform well. Oh
1: God, concert's gonna be great. I know. Good. Have you got your coins set aside? I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> MX, mm-hmm. <laughs> <it>. charge it. <laughs> Get them points.
0: Okay. In addition to everything Beyonce does and touches and creates, um, one thing that I love is TikTok. And okay,
4: TikTok?
0: <laughs> I feel like that's. Um, a slightly controversial opinion for a millennial for some reason, but <laughs> like I think TikTok is so cool. Like I've be learning so much stuff on there and like, I don't know. I get relationship advice from TikTok. I get <laughs> cooking lessons, fashion, like it's this pair of jeans that I have that like my two, actually I have two pairs of pants got of jeans. And I got um, some parachute pants that are like, mm-hmm. Lovely, found them on TikTok. Um, yeah, like I, I like being up on things with the kids, and um <laughs> gonna keep us fit, Paula. Yeah, yeah, TikTok is so. Y'all gotta get into it. Just
1: watch the videos. I don't be really yeah. making
0: stuff on TikTok. I just watch stuff.
1: I just don't need another social media rabbit hole to get sucked into. That's <laughs> yeah. the only reason
0: why, because people be
1: saying down. they scroll for it hours.
0: Yeah. Oh no, I do. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and TikTok will keep feeding you what you what you like. Yeah, that's that's mm-hmm. the way it's set up.
0: hmm That's what I like about it though, because it's like I don't see a whole bunch of nonsense that I don't care mm-hmm. for. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. so funny. Like some people will be like, some people will send me like TikTok videos, and I'm like, You are on a whole different side of TikTok because I would have never gotten that video. <laughs> never would have found that on TikTok. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love how customized it is for, <laughs> for me. Yeah. So yeah. But I guess that's also Sometimes- the
1: downside of TikTok.
0: Yeah, yeah, sometimes it goes a little overboard. Like, you watch, like, one video. Like, I don't know. I guess are none of y'all on TikTok? But I don't know if y'all seen. It's this girl out of uh, New York, Ice Spice. Um, Mm-mm. She got this song called Munch. Y'all should listen to it. It's like a <laughs> drill song. Ooh. But she it's, like, blowing up on TikTok or whatever. So I was just curious because I was like, who is this Ice Spice girl? Why everybody keep using this song in their videos? And then they was all talking about how she was so fine. She was big booty, light skin, whatever, whatever. So I went and, like, started to look at her content and stuff. Like, I went into, like, the song and started to look at the videos that were posted. And she is real cute or whatever. But um, now all I get is, like, Ice Spice content. Like, every time, <laughs> like, I open TikTok, I get, like, a whole bunch of Ice Spice videos. I'm like, okay. I was just curious. Like, you ain't got to, like, show me Ice Spice all day. But, yeah. yeah. So i would be going a little overboard sometimes. <laughs> Can you
2: ask, like, not to see certain content? I think you can do that on Twitter Mm. where you can like say, I don't want to see anything any tweets like this anymore. You can do that
0: on Twitter for sure. I don't know know if you can do that on TikTok. I don't know.
3: No, you can because I I I do have a TikTok. (laughs) 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 But I don't make content. I just (laughs) I'm just a consumer. Um, but I had to I had to put not interested um in this new R. Kelly challenge they have on it. Yeah. Um there's, so, a,
2: there's an R. Kelly challenge.
3: Yes. yes. It's a dance. It's a Kelly they made song. a fucking dance challenge to it.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And I'm so like, Who I the had the fuck block?
1: R. Kelly's team did that. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> because it was like an R. Kelly phone. It's not even like popular.
4: It's, like, really,
3: right. it's a it's a it's a it's a cut. Um so yeah, I had to I had to put uninterested. And so it is possible, Paula. So you can put it on that mm, like, okay, him, okay, I'll look girl. For the feature Yeah. <laughs>
0: Somebody was talking about the boomerfication of, <laughs> what's the, what's the Gen, gen is Gen Z that's after millennials? Yeah. yeah. People were saying Gen Z act just like fucking boomers. Like they always complaining about millennials. <laughs> They're like, got all these like little like super political opinions and all this little shit like that. And I was like, that's funny. Yeah. Like we should come back. Uh, We should get back at them.
4: So <laughs>
2: boomerfication. I've never <laughs> right.
4: heard that. Like, they're grumpy. so, like,
0: upset about everything, you know?
1: <laughs> I saw I saw some you're <laughs> saying that millennials, they were like, millennials are always so grumpy. And we're like, what? What do no. you know? I mean, and if we, we are grumpy, right, if we are right. grumpy, we have every fucking right to be grumpy. Like, we have lived through the most ridiculous shit of, like, all time. Yeah. And it just won't stop. Like, it's always something every King's time you down, turn we'll the stop. corner. That song is fucking everywhere too. The young Young Gunners? No, the Can't Stop, Won't Stop Young Diddy redoing his daddy song. Oh
3: with with Kodak Black redacted. He's problematic too. Oh yeah. And that song is so (laughs) That song, like someone made a good point that Christian, is that his name? Mm -hmm. Like he's not like original. He's just trying to be his daddy. Yeah.
0: Yeah, <laughs> same <laughs> dance move, right? Same flow. Right, just a throwback to, throw to Sampling the
1: song. Yeah, it's giving mini me. Yeah, uh, Matthew.
0: Yeah, your turn, Matthew.
2: I love so many things. I've had a tough time deciding, but I am going to the beach in a couple weeks, mm. and I really just love the ocean. Um, I find it super relaxing. The water is really calming and restorative for me. So I'm excited to turn my phone off and go to the beach.
1: You deserve rain. For two days. Peace for two days. (laughs) No, the ocean is great. It's lovely.
2: Yeah. No, the beach is really nice. I think it's amazing that we have so much coastline. Um, It's really developed in a lot of parts of the states. But when you go to other places, other countries, and it's just like, no resorts or anything. You just experience the beach and the ocean yeah. and have a deep appreciation for for nature. Mm-hmm.
1: So oh nature. Okay.
2: Nature boy curry.
0: It scares me a little bit, but
2: the ocean. Beautiful.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh yeah, the ocean's like, scary for sure.
0: Why is it so big?
1: <laughs> so vast. <laughs> so okay. I be going down YouTube rabbit holes sometimes. And like there's like this theory that like there are black holes in the ocean mm. that, like, can transport you to somewhere <laughs> and else, like, you know, knows oh, where you end up, but, like... And I'm not totally opposed to that theory because we don't know, like, you can't tell me that these planes just be disappearing over yeah, the fucking no, ocean, bro. Like, where yeah. do you go? How you just lose a whole plane with hundreds of people on it, and there's no remnants of nothing. Yeah. Aliens. Or... Or black holes. Yes, mm-hmm. in
2: the ocean. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. have I you seen see that.
1: there like these little like vortexes sometimes where it's just like the water just be funneling and like mm-hmm. you get caught up in that? Ain't no telling where you end up.
0: Drown. Or maybe it's not like a
1: or um, a, portal. a space.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Maybe it's more like a ocean portal, like the ocean's version of a black hole. Maybe it's not the exact same type of black hole that you get in space. Maybe. We don't know. Maybe it, like, takes you to another part of, like, the ocean, like, world or whatever. Because, like, it was something, this might be in those videos you talk about, Percy, but, like, (laughs) these scientists were, like, tracking these whales or something, and then, like, at a point, they just, like, lost them. And then they popped Mm. up, like, on the other side of the world.
4: Damn.
1: (laughs) That was saying, but the ocean's scary. It's so, (laughs) just so, 80% of the world is water. Yeah. That's a lot of water. It makes you wonder why like we aren't more adaptable to being in water.
2: Because yeah. we don't have gills.
1: Mm. I know, but like why not?
2: Because people scared of the water.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Did we used to? I don't know. I mean. We could we could start it, we could be the generation that initiates our transition to water just by exposing ourselves periodically mm. to water over time. Mm. And then maybe our descendants, 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 descendants will have Gill.
1: If the ocean is even still there, I don't think that's then. how it works. But. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I'm like, that ocean's gonna be like a toxic cesspool by then, probably. Oh God, right? Nah,
2: Earth will get rid of us. Oh,
1: for sure. It's oh. already on it. It's already working on it. Oh. Well,
0: okay. Let's go into our topics. <laughs> Um, that was a pleasant ending. (laughs) sorry. Started off with like, what do you love? Ended with climate change. (laughs) But that's fine. Um, So yeah, I'll pass it to Mercy.
1: Okay, well, today I wanted to talk about this really interesting article that came out um, earlier this month. Um, I'm not sure when this podcast will get posted, but I'm talking about August. Um... And so it was just talking about how hospitals that serve um, a large proportion of Black patients end up actually having lower revenues and profits compared to hospitals that serve majority White patients. And I know oftentimes we talk about, like, how, you know, Black people experience racism in the healthcare system and how, like, even when they get into the healthcare system, the quality of care they experience is worse. But now it's even saying that, like, the quality of care they receive is impacted because of the lack of funding that these hospitals get. So, um, hospitals were officially desegregated in 1964 because of the Civil Rights Act. Um, But we still know that hospital segregation by race still persists. Um, In 2004, 5% of hospitals cared for about 44% of Black Medicare patients. And in 2010 and 2011, Three quarters of all black infants in the US were born, but in on, just one quarter of all US hospitals. So that's crazy. Right. Like it doesn't. And then, of course, you know, in these hospitals that serve predominantly black people, these are like concentrated in the South, of course. And, um, they basically just like hospitals where patients account, where black patients account for a large share. They have modest facilities, so they're oftentimes not as updated. They don't have some of the high-tech services that, like, nicer hospitals have. Um, and a lot of the funding comes from, like, either private funding, government subsidies, or, like, their so just, like, donations and things. And so... We, they found that facilities that treat a higher proportion of Black patients have, like, lower nurse-to-patient ratios. They score worse on patient safety indicators and indicators of quality obstetric care, which we know impacts Black women because of the Black maternity maternal health problem. And they also have higher rates of 30-day readmission after surgical procedures. And so when... Um, you account for, like, you control for different things, such as where people live, like, how many patients you see, like, these disparities still exist, and, like, people are still receiving poor quality care at predominantly, like, at hospitals that serve predominantly Black people. Um. Yeah, and so it was just really crazy, like, reading this article because it was just saying that, like, the hospital's that serve these black patients they get lower returns on like their reimbursement from health insurance because obviously a lot of black people you know have medicaid or they're underinsured so there's not really much reimbursement happening to the hospitals and so that then impacts the hospitals because then that kind of forces the hospitals to close because they can't mm-hmm. like recoup their funds and obviously again this is still a problem in the south because a lot of patients a lot of southern states did not expand Medicaid either, so it's just like this really big snowball effect um that just keeps perpetuating this cycle, so it's like literally like this the systemic racism that exists so on just so many different levels, you just see how it operates, and I don't really know like it gets frustrating because how do we address these type of problems. Cause it just it's just so layered. Like
4: yeah.
1: you have these first of all, the problem, why are hospitals private-based anyway is just that's the that's a problem, first and foremost. And then we get into like, okay, now you have these underfunded hospitals that can't get the best quality, can't get the best technology, they can't get the best staff. So then that then impacts how people when they access the healthcare system what type of treatment that they get so it's just like this whole trickle down effect that impacts black people disproportionately again and yeah so i'll pause for thoughts reactions.
2: yeah i thought this article was um really sad really interesting and really just shows You know, we talk a lot about structural racism, but I think this really shows how um, racism is really embedded within our healthcare system. system. And as you started off talking about, you know, most people think about that in relation to how I'm treated once I go into a hospital. Right. So I'm not going to get proper care or they're going to mismanage my uh, or like misdiagnose me or um, say that I'm not feeling things or, you know, saying my pain tolerance is higher than it really is. Um, but the real like killer of folks is, you know, this quality issue of, of the healthcare systems that we do have access to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's directly related to residential segregation, right? So mm-hmm. because we have pockets of black people who live in poverty, the hospitals that are in those communities, if there are hospitals in those communities mm-hmm. at all, um, you know, this article plainly points out that they're um underfunded. Um, and that's both from uh, reimbursements, but also private funding, mm-hmm. right? Because, yeah. you know, lots of hospitals, uh, you know, receive their revenue or their funds from private donations, from large donors, large corporations, and those aren't happening um, in neighborhoods, in hospitals, in our neighborhoods and in our communities. So that that was really sad. And then I think something that was really interesting and surprising um, that I hadn't really thought through was just how that then an underfunded hospital then impacts everything, right? The,
4: mm-hmm.
2: You can, you won't you won't have higher quality staff, you can't get new technologies in your hospitals, so like the latest treatments aren't available.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and then we hear this trope all the time from you know our, our black elders, like people go to the hospital to die, mm-hmm. um, not to get well, and it's really true, right? Because because our hospitals are underfunded, because our you know the hospitals that we go to don't have the latest staff. We're seeing inadequacies when it comes to treatment types, um, and so it just—it's mm-hmm. really cyclical, and that makes people not want to engage with the healthcare system. So again, no, no solution. I just think of, uh, this is really a great article to show how this is really embedded
3: within and like Yeah, um, for sure. I really. I really appreciated this article. Um, and it all also made me think about Grady Health System in Atlanta, um, which is seen as this like safety net health system to really serve um uninsured folks, underinsured folks on Medicaid. Um, and they serve a large population of um black patients. Um, but you know, when you look at Grady's history, um, that used to be one of those segregated hospitals, literally the design of Grady, um, you know, one section was designated to just black patients and that section had worse, 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 <laughs> is that word, worser quality, um, you know, care. And, um, it was just like, kind of even within the the hospital itself—you saw um, kind of disparate uh, treatment that Black patients were ex- uh, experiencing, and even like Grady just being situated in the South with such a pervasive history of um, racial segregation and um, Black folks just not having access to healthcare. Um, I don't know. It just—it—it really shows how even like today in twenty twenty two. We're still seeing these inequities that Black patients are experiencing within health systems.
2: Yeah, I think um, you know, sort of the the opposite model of Grady here in Atlanta is the Emory healthcare system, right? You have a mm-hmm. super private healthcare system who act they actually don't have any physical locations in predominantly Black communities. Um, oh,
3: wow, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs>
2: and um you know mainly serving uh high wealth high income uh private, family,
3: private insurance private
2: insurance families mm, yeah. um and you know they're actually one of the better healthcare systems in the country uh, but again it's because of the types of patients to serve. they serve the huge funding that they have um mm-hmm. on the healthcare side um and so because uh they have that huge economic base um, are able to be um, sort of forward leaning into new technologies mm-hmm. um, and are and because they're actually serving a healthier population
4: right. um,
2: mm-hmm. their numbers look better and so you know it's really cyclical again on how these systems are funded um, and how you know outcomes are then um, for the patients are are interpreted um, not because they're actually you know necessarily doing a better job but they just have more resources to put towards and a healthier mm-hmm. population to serve. Mm-hmm. For sure. The
4: yeah, it, it is
0: really cyclical. Mm-hmm. And I thought, like, I didn't know um, just that, like, the whole setup of, like, Medicare and Medicaid was, like, basically oh, yeah. institutional racism from the start.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Like, just that, like, <laughs> there's this separation between between Medicare and Medicaid because one is for poor people and one is for like elderly people. Like, and when it was started, it's like, I guess mostly elderly people were white and then the poor people was like basically black people. And just that, like, it just made me think immediately about like um, cultural racism and how the implications of like that for health and how if you tie Poverty and being poor with blackness, you can turn people against um, poverty quite easily, Um, you know, just through like just the anti-blackness that runs in our our culture, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, So seeing black people as unintelligent, lazy, they love living off the handouts and welfare, they're violent, um, just all of that, like that sentiment in our culture and the media and just a lot of things. Um, And then like connecting, you know, like welfare queen and all that kind of like stereotypes, like to blackness. Um, It means that people, the general population, and the majority white population as well, don't want to like vote for policies um, that will help poor people or as they see it, black people. Um, who don't deserve it um, in their in their view, um, and so that's why we have like so much pushback against like the Affordable Care Act, which is not a perfect solution within itself because it's so much reliant on um, Medicare. So, but like still, even just the idea, any movement towards universal health coverage is like is like really just not a popular thing in the united states because it's seen as being another handout for black people Mm -hmm. um and that's just yeah i don't know it's just (laughs) it's so many problems and like they all kind of like continue to feed into each other because Mm -hmm. even like what matthew was just saying about like you know this difference between like emory and grady and 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 just like so people then you know once they see those differences and feel those in the community then they're like I don't know. It just lead. I think it leads to more racism in the sense of like, oh, mm-hmm. like this white hospital mm-hmm. is so nice and the facilities are great and the technology is great and the innovation. And then you go over to the black hospital and it's like, I'm not going to front y'all. Like one time I went to Grady and I was like, it looked like The Walking Dead in here. It does. Like, it was like people. <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, it does. <laughs> there were like patients like wandering the halls that looked like they should have been in the bed it was like kind of crazy it was like really scary too and like i just you know it's just like horrible that that's the kind of care that people receive but then it's like if you consistently like are exposed to those images and that type of environment and you don't really have like you know the knowledge and the the skills to kind of like Tie that back to racism. You start to just like, even as a black person, you can internalize those messages mm-hmm. of yeah, like, for sure. we always get less because we deserve less, and you know, like, mm-hmm.
1: it just it's it's a it's a really horrible cycle, for sure. And I know even just personally, like the other day, I was um, having like an anxiety issue, and it, Grady is way closer to my house, but I drove <laughs> all the way to Emory, well, like, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. right, just because I was like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not trying to go to Grady cuz I'll be in Grady for 8 hours.
3: Yeah. And when you even when you think about safety net hospitals, they also disproportionately serve the unhoused population, mm-hmm. folks in mm-hmm. mental health crises, folks that um don't necessarily need to be going to emergency room if we had a better system. Right. It's, it's like the, the last stop for them. So, mm-hmm. and, you know, we're talking about Grady cause that's our kind of context, our local context, but I mean, this is the same with safety net hospital systems
2: across the country. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Paula, I think that that point you brought up about the, you know, establishment of Medicaid and Medicare, um, and how Medicaid was left up to the states um, versus Mm -hmm. Medicare sort of being a a federal system, essentially socialized care for the elderly, um, is really interesting. Because when we look at other political situations, when we think about Roe v. Wade, when we think about um, the stuff that's happening around education right now, um, and how when we leave things up to the states, we know that Mm -hmm. states in the South, Mm -hmm. historically where Black people live, Um, Black people are going to be disproportionately impacted by those negative policies, Um, and we see that definitely with the way with Medicaid expansion, Mm -hmm. um, and that all in turn has a has an impact on our hospital systems. So that's not always something that I really pay attention to. Is you know what when we talk about like federalism and how in states' rights, what that really actually means, Um, and for the most part, it just means that you know we. We want. We know that this is going to disproportionately help Black people, and so states states <laughs> mm-hmm. that have Black a large Black population often don't want to implement those solutions, um, and so mm-hmm. um, and the federal government often supports them in that decision. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they, they fight really hard. Um, you see states mm-hmm. like the one we live in, Georgia, um, Alabama, Florida, really really push against um, you know large federal policies. Uh, because they don't want to to enact them.
1: I think they think that they, like, this is their way of, like, getting back for losing the war. Like, <laughs> fine, we can't, we didn't win the Confederacy, but yeah. we're gonna keep up the fight this way. Cause that's what it's giving. For sure.
2: Yeah, it's all about resources. hmm.
0: Yeah, keeping resources from some. Mm-hmm. Mm hmm. I don't know, like, what should be done, though? Like, I mean, I I think it's all the more ar- of an argument for universal health care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, and that wouldn't even, like, solve Mm-mm. every problem. I just think it's a step in the right direction. Um,
1: yeah. I feel like the only solution is to literally, like, destroy everything and start fresh.
4: <laughs>
1: but, like, how you do that? without, like, you
2: know, massive revolution. I don't I don't really know. You know, the stat that was really crazy to me in this, and I, I had to find it. I was looking for it. <laughs> um, but I'll just read it. You know, it says by equalizing reimbursement levels um, would have to be boosted in Black serving hospitals. So essentially, if we had more money for these Black serving hospitals, um, they would account to about $14 billion in 2018. Hmm. Oh, wow. And so that's twenty six million per Black serving hospital. So wow. there, wow. so there's a, a resource difference like 20, to the yeah. number of fourteen yeah. billion dollars between these hospitals. That's insane. That's ridiculous. Wow, well, twenty like which is $26 twenty six million twenty six
1: million,
2: million per Black serving hospital. Do you
1: know what these? Oh, Black people Grady got to so do with Grady? What Grady could do with twenty six <laughs> million dollars. A lot. wow oh, that's great oh, wow that's a lot
2: that's yeah a lot so money. much money um oh. but yeah i mean Ooh. i think there has to be federal uh like financial reform right so like health financing reform and that's the affordable care act that's universal health care um that's thinking through how hospitals are are built and funded um you know and that's yeah, it has to come from the federal level and it has to be established across um, all of all states because the southern states where predominantly black people are disincentivized from doing that work. So.
4: <laughs> and I don't
2: believe there's a lot of people who believe like the private sector. Sorry, Paula, the private sector will come and rescue us, but I don't, I don't oh, think so no. either. <laughs> oh, <definitely>. oh no, <laughs>
1: absolutely not. not at all. <laughs>
2: No. But <laughs> so that's what's happening right now with COVID, right? Like the government is saying we're not we're no longer sending tests. We're no longer doing this stuff. Hopefully, private companies, private, you know, um, CVS, Walgreens, you know, you can go in or your insurance company, you can go in and get a test from them. But we just know that that's not actually how it works.
1: Yeah, I will say CVS did give me a. COVID test the other day when I went in there to pick up the prescription. Oh, really? They, they just gave them to they just gave. Yeah, they were like, these are covered by your health insurance, and they just tossed a oh. COVID test in my bag. I was like, oh, thanks. <laughs> wow. I oh, not
2: nice. nice. trying to get rid of them. Yeah,
1: because I mean, <laughs> at this point, like, people aren't yeah. really testing like that, and now they have yeah. all these tests.
2: And they expire. So you yeah. might want to check the expiration date on your test. Should...
1: Yeah, you're <laughs> right.
2: The things might be expiring. Well. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. the ones that we had, um, my mom and I just went down to Savannah to see my grandmother, and we tested, and they expire in September. Oh so, wow! Yeah.
1: damn, I'm gonna go home mm-hmm.
4: and
0: check that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, And this this problem is like so racialized, like clearly, like from the data,
4: mm-hmm.
0: and it's just like I think it, it upsets me, like this aversion to like creating like race-based solutions. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like they could, like it's if, I don't know, like universal health coverage would be amazing. But I mean, you could also just do programs that specifically target these Black serving hospitals mm-hmm. um, and infusing them with resources and money and things like that. But I just right. feel like on a government level, federal, definitely not state. It's just this like... And just even in, like, public health generally, like, I feel like it's, like, the solution can't be targeted only towards Black people. It's got to be mm-hmm. All. a more broad... <laughs> yeah, like, and I feel like we experience some of that in our work. And that's why we specifically say Black. hmm Right.
2: Yeah, people are way more comfortable with you saying, with targeting things to poor people than Black people. hmm
1: mm-hmm. Or if you just say broadly POC. BIPOC. BIPOC.
0: Marginalized. (laughs)
1: Oh, yeah. Their favorite buzzwords. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or, like, yeah, underrepresented, underserved. Black. black Exactly. We said what we said. (laughs) But I guess also, uh, speaking of resources, Khadija. Yeah. you have an interesting topic for us
3: yeah um so let's see where it's august now (laughs) um so gosh maybe a week ago um we got some exciting news from the the biden administration (laughs) um about student loan forgiveness and so um just some context um Since the pandemic started, the government has initiated several student loan repayment pauses to temporarily relieve additional financial stress um, for folks during the pandemic. And um, to add to um, just these efforts that the government has in this space, um, on August 24th, the Biden administration announced a student debt relief plan, which will forgive up to $10,000 of student debt for borrowers earning less than $120,000 and up to $20,000 um, in relief for a Pell Grant recipients. Um, and that plan also included caps on income-based repayment plans and improvements to the public service loan forgiveness program. Um, and so today we wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, how this relates to health, um, particularly the health of Black people, how this relates to Black um, health and economic equity, and if we think that this is enough. Hail no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Agreed, Mercy. Um, and so, um, before we kind of jump into just this current plan, um, we wanted to provide a little bit of context into Black folks and um, the wealth gap and debt. Um, so, the Black white wage gap um, and just wealth gap more broadly is getting worse. Um, while Black communities are experiencing increasing amounts of debt. So today, the average white family has roughly 10 times the amount of wealth as the average Black family, while white college graduates have over seven times more wealth than Black college graduates. Um, And, you know, like education and specifically like higher ed has been seen as a primary route for black folks to, um, you know, increase our wealth and move out of poverty. Um, But when you actually look at the data, um, we see that this has largely been um, unsuccessful in terms of making any change when it comes to wealth. Um, So due to systemic racism and um, this racial wealth gap that has been persisting for centuries. Black students have had to take out a disproportionate amount of debt to finance our education. Um, So Black borrowers hold 186% more debt per capita than white borrowers. We are, um, even when we hold debt, we're um, less likely to have graduated. Um, So there's a huge chunk of Black folks who have student debt, um, but did not, um, receive their college degree, um, Mm -hmm. black borrowers are also, um, more likely to be the victims of like for-profit colleges and predatory loans. Um, and we're less likely to, um, or we earn less, um, when we graduate than our white counterparts. So yeah, I just I wanted to talk with y'all about um, this new plan and how y'all think it can really address the racial wealth gap and how it relates to health. Um, and then maybe we could talk about at the end some additional steps that we believe need to be taken.
0: It
1: wasn't enough. At all. <laughs> I'm unimpressed. <laughs> Very unimpressed. I took out $20,000 loan to pay for summer school. <laughs> so, thank you. But, like, if we're not addressing these interest rates, baby, what are we talking about? Because that's what really gets yeah. you, is those interest rates. You be paying a loan for 10 years, and you ain't paying nothing towards the principal. So... Thanks, Jojo, but I'm gonna y'all come up (laughs) off a little more. I feel like it should be like a percentage, maybe, yeah, like of your loans and cut interest rates completely. Yeah, because what we were 18. You telling me like it's literally like you 18 years old and it's like okay, I want to go to college because this is what you're told. And black names like either you go to school or you get a job. Only way you can get a good job is if you go to college. Mm -hmm. So you 18, you at college. And you sit in financial aid office and they just like, okay, well, we can get you this $50,000 loan to pay for school and your expenses. You're not going to say no because that's literally your only option. So you say yes, yeah, not even fully understanding what it is you're signing up for because you're just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get a job and I'm going to be able to pay off my student loans. Then you do your exit loan counseling. Them motherfuckers told me I was going to have to make $300,000 a year Oh my God. <laughs> to pay off my student loans in 10 years. Can I take that to my employer or nah? <laughs> these public health jobs, you ain't, they ain't paying your ass no three hundred thousand dollars. So exactly, it's just like, and then it's like we're only paying for school because Nixon decided that like education shouldn't be free no more because too many black people were going to school. So right. that's still, student loans are still racist, right? <laughs> like
0: again. <laughs> Another
1: racist policy, no
0: racially uh what's the one I'm looking for? I don't know, just racially based solutions. Mm -hmm. Racially equitable based solutions. Yeah. Like they should just be black people just should not pay for school. Like yeah. We were our ancestors were enslaved. Literally.
1: Literally. and literally were killed for, but, but like, for hundreds how of read. years yeah like
0: we should not have to pay for
4: school Mm-mm.
1: that <laughs> no, should be part of our exactly. reparations package yeah exactly
0: as long as like with universal health coverage mm-hmm. right free college free health care number one for niggas but honestly <laughs> I'd be okay with that for everybody too I just you know those things are just gonna disproportionately benefit us mm-hmm. and with the student loan thing it's like it disproportionately benefits Black women, which is also why I'm kind of like I'm just really unimpressed by this ten thousand dollars because that's not that's not it. Mm-hmm. And then didn't Biden campaign saying he was gonna cancel all student loan debt or whatever? Mm-hmm. So I think he like, said
3: HBCUs and public universities,
0: mm-hmm. which
3: oh. no, but that would still have a huge impact on. That would be
0: amazing. Yeah. yeah. Oh,
3: okay. <laughs> that would
0: help. That would help me a lot.
1: Okay. Right baby, listen, because Hampton was not cheap, let me tell you. Yeah. And Paula, you brought up a good point in
3: terms of it seems like this administration is shying away from like directly naming and targeting um, policies and programs to address racial inequities and like clearly Mm -hmm. naming that. Um, I would say like with this plan, they did do something that kind of indirectly helps um a lot of black folks so they um are forgiving up to 20,000 for Pell Grant recipients Mm -hmm. um and the Pell Grant is a college award really aimed at low-income families and um 72 percent of Pell Grant recipients are black students so um I think like this does um you know help a lot of um lower-income Black students, um, particularly those that um, didn't finish college. Um, and so that's that's great. Like, that is,
4: mm-hmm.
3: like, whoever, probably Black woman they had on their team that snuck that in, like, I think that's mm. really amazing. But um, like you said, Paula, it's still not enough. And I really wish they would have more clearly um, and aggressively um, kind of... Uh, targeted um, and kind of address racial inequities when it comes to student debt.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And I do wonder, like, why the conversation about erasing student debt is like so controversial? But like, these millionaires are getting these PPP loans forgiven, mm-hmm. and exactly. it's like no one's batting an eye. Like, okay, so those are forgiven. But. It's cultural racism, Mercy. You're right.
0: They you just love handouts. You can't give them nothing else. Laisies. <laughs> right. And this is what, like, and just so people being like, all this crap about, I paid off my student loans, so why shouldn't you? you right. should, I, I read comments on a lot of stuff, like on Twitter, a lot of places, like, people, like, are, yeah, like, really against this. Like,
1: it's like, why you just, mad?
0: Yeah, but I think it's because even if like they might not even be like consciously trying to be racist, just the, I think the idea of like debt and, you know, that pull yourself up by your own bootstraps mentality, like is so ingrained in American culture, which is so racist mm-hmm. at its core. And, but so many people believe that like, yeah, well, you shouldn't have taken out that debt If you couldn't afford it, like people say about like criminals, like don't do the crime if you can't do the time. And it's like, meanwhile, it's like niggas who are in prison, like their whole lives off of like nonviolent offenses. And just, I mean, just, you know, like people say a lot of, there's a lot of things in American culture that like justify these really huge racist systems and policies. And like, this is one of them. Like there are people who are like violently against this.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Like, really upset. And then, like, you were saying, Paul, like, the whole, like, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. But then when you really talk to people, they got damn $20,000, $100,000 bootstraps from their parents. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, my dad exactly. was able to give me a loan for $100,000. Like, if we could all get $100,000 loans from our parents, it would be a lot different for a lot of people. Right if I could have gone to my parents to get them to pay for my college, don't you think I would have done that? (laughs) Like, Yeah. Shit, my mama took out a loan. She was working two jobs to pay that loan off. Like, Mm -mm. you know, like, it wasn't... It's not like you have many options.
2: Yeah, I I really agree that this is, one, not a fulfillment of his campaign promise. Um, Two... Mm -hmm um just not enough um but i do think that $10,000 is a significant amount of money um and frees up money to spend on healthcare potentially um because i think often and and people i don't know many people who are making this decision but i'm sure it is a decision that's happening right it's either you know pay my loan this month or not get a uh not fill a prescription or something like that. And folks who are really budgeting and making choices like that related to their spending, I think this does have a tremendous impact. Um, And that won't probably be felt immediately, but over time, Mm -hmm. um, you know, $10,000 that you have to spend elsewhere um, could be, is going to be really impactful. Um, So again, not enough, but I do think that it, it is providing some relief. Yeah.
0: Yeah. For and sure. there are some people who, would be like, this will cancel like all of their student loans, mm-hmm. which is great. Right. Um, yeah. Not Love me. that for y'all. <laughs> but no, but oh, I'm, hap- I'm happy for them. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. Love that for y'all.
1: <laughs> Let us know what it's like on the other side of freedom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: and my thing is, like, okay, we've been pausing these student loans like all this time.
4: Right. Like, okay, did the, the, the
0: economy collapsed. Like is everything on fire? No, like we don't need to pay these. Mm-hmm. Forget about it. <laughs> I, I've forgiven my mom's <laughs> I forgave my a long
1: forgiveness. time ago. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't. They
0: didn't mean to. I forgive them. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I forgive myself for signing that promissory note.
0: <laughs> yeah, Paula,
3: like you, like you said. Um, and Matthew, you as well. Um, you know, this plan does provide a few more months of um, kind of payment deferral um, and just like a payment pause um, for folks. So I think it's up until like the end of the year or something. But mm-hmm. he was very clear, like, this is this y'all's final. <laughs> this y'all's final pause.
0: Y'all I go to <laughs> um, I was to say that the last time.
3: Yeah, and I will say, like, in terms of just, like, the the burden of debt, like, I am glad that they included some caps on the income-based repayment plans. Um, So I believe it's 5% now is the cap um, for um, the amount of your income that has to go to um, repaying mm-hmm. your loans. So I think that will be helpful. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like, like, there's a lot of kind of... You know, establishment dems love incremental change. Like, it's, I don't want to cut them off like this isn't going to help because they're, it will, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but it's, it's just, it's not, it's not it's enough, not enough. <laughs> it's, it's especially, massive. you know, the average black college graduate owes 52000 over $52,000. So, um, again, like 10, 20, 000, like that. I heard someone frame it as like it's a drop in the bucket or even like a large drop in the bucket, but it's not, you know, it's not filling the hole.
2: You know, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't address the urgency of the situation. And mm-hmm. I think that that has been my problem with a lot of the policy approaches, of not only this administration, but our government in general. Right. It's it's throwing. Yeah. It's a drop in the bucket. It's it's not fixing the problem. It's a band-aid and and not actually treating the wound. Um but we're yeah, I mean, I i think the the issue and the um insidious nature of racism within and the impacts that it's having within our community, whether it be um black people being overdebted our hospitals not, you know, being adequate, we're just not addressing it with an with an urgency.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and that, that's the most disappointing thing is it, it often feels like we're just yelling at an immovable object.
1: Mm-hmm. And I um, I saw a friend of mine post a good point the other day. Um, she's a pharmacist and so she doesn't meet the income. She makes too much yeah. to qualify. And so she's like, you know, what about, like, I'm a healthcare worker. I haven't had any breaks since this whole pandemic has started, you know, I have been overworked. I'm burnt out and I get no relief. And, you know, you pharmacy school, all these like professional health, health profession schools, like they're not cheap. Like med school is yeah. all expensive. Like you're all taking out hundreds that, of
3: thousands, hundreds yeah. of thousands
1: of dollars. So it's like, they don't even qualify for any type of aid. And like, again, like they've been carrying us through this entire pandemic. Yeah, so it's like dang, they just get left out completely, which I think is kind of fucked up.
3: Yeah, and that's a good point in terms of um folks that um do make over one hundred twenty thousand dollars, um, you know, even if like your income is higher, I think when you combine um like the inflation and like literally rent and food and everything like astronomically increasing with the fact that, you know, a lot of black families, again, sought education to get out of poverty. So you have like first gen folks that may be the first doctor in their family. They may may be like the first, um, you know, white collar um, job holder in their family. They may make You know $130,000 but they're also like providing for their whole family family, that is still in poverty like Mm -hmm. um so just you know if you kind of leave out black people that are may have higher incomes or maybe like middle class because I mean honestly 120,000 in a lot of places will not get you far. Um, it's still, you know, disproportionately impacting, like, Black families and Black communities as a whole. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, what what would y'all do differently? If you were Biden, Vice President Harris, what,
0: what would you do? Cancel it, make college free.
2: Reparations. Including making college free for black folks.
1: Yes. <laughs> and also mm-hmm. what I was saying earlier, like cutting interest rates. Cause that's really like what dips a lot of people over. Like someone was saying they took out a loan for like seventy thousand, they paid on it for like twenty years. They paid over like a hundred and forty thousand dollars on the loan and they still owed a hundred and something thousand dollars. Right. You took it was only for seventy thousand dollars. <laughs> So yeah, definitely. But, but yeah, definitely reparations, free college for the blacks.
2: And I would give a lot, money, a lot of money to HBCUs. Like I would mm-hmm. overfund them. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Ensure that they're resourced at the level of our our best, our best schools. Yeah. Mhm.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think it's ridiculous in the United States that public college is cost money. <laughs>
1: as much as it does too like it's not even cheap anymore
3: like you know a private institution kind of regardless of where you go does have different rules they can follow so sure Mm -hmm. but like for a a public higher education that is like you know having a college degree is damn near like a requirement for you Mm -hmm. to you know make a decent wage um Or like free, like trade school, Mm -hmm. like just
1: free anything beyond high school. Right,
3: (laughs) yeah. Um, I think that would, um, you know, that just makes sense to me. Um, I think also just addressing wages and increasing the minimum wage. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there are a lot of folks, for a while, like there was a call to raise it to 15, um, but a lot of activists have increase that number a lot because inflation yeah. is just so ridiculous like $15 an mm-hmm. mm-hmm. hour is still not enough at all mm-hmm. um, to live so I think um it kind of you kind of have to address it from both ends you have to address it from the debt side but also like the income and wealth side mm-hmm.
1: um so that's what I would do. Ew yeah we should run the country y'all can we like run as like a team president team I mean we could we could create our our own party
3: we can run on third party it
0: It would be a civil war all over (laughs) we have to we have to save all the niggas from the south
1: (laughs) but look what they said sometimes you gotta realize people that Harriet would have left (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs>
4: Herschel Walker. Um, uh, can sure. He can definitely stay here, and, and his
1: son. I'll learn. His son can can stay too. Yo, all the descendants.
2: <laughs> all that Herschel is a victim of internalized racism. I'm just gonna put that out
1: there. <laughs> he's a victim of a whole lot of stuff <laughs> I think that C T. Now he victimizing us. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> Cause I'm, like the stuff he says, like yo, brain, his brain, it is not, it is not. Oh, mm. mm. Bless his heart, as the old folks would say.
0: <laughs> well, that wraps up this episode. Um, so
1: before we close,
0: I um, want to remind y'all to please register for the link up. L.A. Um, it's an hey. event that we're doing on September 18th um, from 1 to 6 p.m. in Lamert Park. And it's in partnership with our homies, Trap Medicine. Um, so, yeah, make sure you come through. Tickets are going fast. And we're going to have, you know, our whole, our thing. You know how Black Health does it. We've got music. We've got DJ Aisha Irene and DJ Artistic. we have some hey. free food drinks and health services on deck. We got um, our bestie, Dr. Ayanna Abrams and uh, Rashawn Miller, mental health professionals. They'll be in the house answering all your questions about therapy and mental wellness. Um, and then we'll also have our Good Down There colorectal cancer uh, take-home screening test. Um, and we'll have our whole kit So it includes some Cottonelle products and Black Health merch. So don't miss that. If you are in the L.A. area, you definitely want to be there. So you can go to wherever we are on social media and uh, find the link in our bio and sign up. Don't forget to RSVP on Eventbrite. It is free, um, but we just, you know, we need a head count. (laughs) So as well, uh, follow us on social media at Black Health on everything. Um, you want to subscribe to this podcast, and we really want you to like leave us comments. Let us know if there's anything very pressing that you want us to talk about, um, or if you have questions, you can email us or DM us some questions to be covered on the podcast. I think that'd be really cool mm. if we answered people's um, non-clinical questions, but, um, <laughs> yeah, we could, um, we could take some questions and give advice or, you know, give our opinions and things like that. But yeah, thanks y'all. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.